so that uh, we get it firmly established that God, what he wants for us, <clears throat> what is <clears throat> represented by that word covenant of peace. We talked about how God made peace with all humanity through the blood of his cross. And we'll go through some New Testament references today. We kind of work through a lot of the Old Testament uh, truths about covenant, it being an everlasting covenant from the first words that came out of God's mouth. Um, <clears throat> and so when God decides to do something, it is so. Amen. It is always the way he says it is. God is not a man that he should lie, uh, nor the son of man that he should repent. So there's, uh, humanity is made in his image and not the reverse. So we can never look at man and think we see who God is. We have to look to God to see who God is. Even though we're made in his image, that image you know has been tarnished and damaged by iniquity and by the fall. And so uh, we have to rely on looking at God himself uh, to get the truth that we need to get about him. But we do know that God has given us an everlasting covenant of peace, which means that whatever it is that he means in that word peace is ours forever. It will never, this covenant is not broken uh it is never broken because it's not made to be broken it's made to be kept so the fact that we have a covenant that is everlasting and that it has been established in the blood of the everlasting covenant means that god will never not perform Anything that he says he will perform for us and he has sworn by his own life that <clears throat> that truth so it 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 isn't about our behavior necessarily all the time that we need to be concerned what we need to be concerned about is our faith what we believe in our hearts and i think if we focus on just believing god's word and taking him at his word and and then doing our part faith must come first amen as religion seeks to do the will of god based on what men think God wants. And so that's, and see, when you put behavior first, you've already gotten it backwards. If you look in the Bible, anybody that God honored and, and had relationship, it was because they believed him. And then they moved out in obedience to what he told them to do by believing. They didn't come to perform and try to, the prophets of Baal tried that. Remember when, uh, when they were on Mount Carmel, uh, trying to sacrifice and call Baal out and get him to respond to them. They did things from morning from sun up until sundown. They wound up cutting themselves, giving all kinds of offerings and, and hollering and yelling and all kind of trying to invoke his presence and he never showed up. That's religion. Religion performs first and then their God shows up. But we believe first and then we do what God uh, commands us to do. So in this covenant that we have with God, his commandment is that we love one another. It's amazing how many saints run off and go here, there and everywhere because they're mad at somebody. 
they'll turn it around and say, well, they treated me wrong and they offended me. Yeah, but you're mad at them. That's why you're running. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's true. And so they've already disobeyed the first commandment. And God said, it's really the only one. The only commandment we have to obey is love. So that's important. Amen. It's the foundation. It's the alpha and omega of everything that we need in our lives is love. And so it should be something that we devote paramount time to and effort to and and concentration in, in study and understanding what God means when he says that. Amen. And so he defines love and in first Corinthians thirteen he lets us know what it is and what it isn't, so that we can gauge our behavior and the condition of our hearts accordingly. And it is very important. And God really understood that even in the new the old covenant he understood the missing ingredient was his presence in our lives so that we could love. You can't love without God. You know, you can, you can be nice to people and you can tolerate people and you can do a whole lot of things that you may think are love, but you cannot love without God. You can't forgive without God. You can't do anything consistently without God. And so the missing ingredient really in everything we need is God. Amen. He, he's the missing ingredient. And so God begins to speak to his people, Israel, to get them to understand a time would come when he would make that covenant of everlasting peace with them. So that's what we find in Ezekiel 37. Now, if you're familiar with this chapter, you know it starts out by God taking the prophet Ezekiel to a valley filled with dry bones. And the dry bones represent represented the nation of Israel because they were in disobedience to God at that time, but it also represents any people who are estranged from God. So any people that are estranged from God are dry. They're lifeless. You ever look at sinners sometimes? (laughs) The countenance always tells, amen? The Bible says that God is the health of our countenance and the devil is the death of theirs, I guess, you know. And so when you think about it, it's it's amazing uh, that people can really survive very long without God. And we know that they can't. We know what our situation was when we came to the Lord. We were just as dry as these bones were. But then there comes a wind that prophesies to the bones. Amen. And then it begins to call life. That's the wind of the Holy Spirit. And it becomes life. And God says, I'll put my spirit in you and you shall live. He tells those bones after they begin to come together. God said, I opened up your graves, oh my people, and brought you up out of your graves. Yet know anybody that's on the uh, death's door uh, doorstep? This is a good scripture to stand on. God, bring them up out of the grave. Don't let them die. Amen. You shall not die, but you will live and declare the works of the Lord. God is the God uh, who brings us back to life. Amen. So he says... <clears throat> 
allow these people to live. Amen. And they'll, and, and I'll join the people together. I'll join their bones and their marrow together. And the Lord is saying he's going to make of, of, uh, the nations of Israel, the tribes of Israel going to make them one people and they will live. And in verse 24, he says, and David, my servant shall be king over them. Talking about David's descendants and they shall have one shepherd talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. They shall also walk in my judgments and obey my statutes and do them. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob my servant wherein your fathers have dwelt and they shall dwell therein even there and their children their children's children forever and my servant David shall be their prince forever moreover I will make a covenant of peace with them the man say on top of all of this that I'll give them life and I'll give them land what good is life and land if it doesn't last very long amen so he says I will make an everlasting covenant with them and I will place them and multiply them and I will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. So that's the promise of God dwelling in our hearts. When he says he'll put a sanctuary inside of his people, that means inside of us as individuals. He chooses to dwell in us. We have a dwelling place and a, a sanctuary for God inside of us by the person of the Holy Spirit. So we are a sanctuary for God. We are a refuge for him. We are a resting place for him. He has finally found a resting place. When he had the temples and the tabernacles, he had no resting place. He just moved from place to place. Wherever the people would go, he had to move with them to take care of them. And he says, y'all know what? I'm tired of packing up moving. Every time y'all, y'all decide you don't want to obey me, I got to move out. When you won't obey me, I want to move in. I'm going to move in forever. And so he makes that everlasting covenant of peace with his people. And 26, and he says, I will, uh, it, he says, I will place them and multiply them. In other words, go forth and make disciples of all men. Go forth preaching the gospel. See, this is a, a shadow of what we're doing now. Amen. Multiplying us means that I can talk to whomever I want to about Jesus Christ and they'll receive him and I've already multiplied his people. Amen. That's how we do it. And he says, I will place them and multiply them and I will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. In other words, we'll, we're be, we will be one never to depart. That's why Jesus says my covenant of peace will not depart from you because he won't depart from you. If you got him, you got everything. Man, you got him, you got the covenant. You got him, you got everlasting life. You got life in you that death cannot defy. Sickness cannot defy disobedience cannot defy you got life in you that will raise up over and over again and again and again and so we want to live that life folks you want you don't want him just to be in you you want him to take over you amen god whatever it is that you want me to do i know you'll give me the grace to do it you know the bible says his his commandments are not grievous to us 
They're not hard. They're not, you know, people tell these lies about God ask a hard thing. Well, it's hard for you because you hard headed. You know me, as for me, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. Amen. Amen. I used to tell people that all the time. I said, well, I'm going to obey God. You know, they'll say things like, um, uh, oh, you know, complain about stuff. And I just look at it and say, honey, I'm going to obey God. You know, they'll ask me things like, oh, Pastor Barb, can I do so-and-so and so-and-so? I say, you do if you want to, but I'm going to obey God. You understand me? Don't don't be cheap on your obedience. Don't make yourself a, a hard case for God to convince to obey him. It's not that way. You got his spirit living in you. The Holy Spirit is the most powerful force in the universe. You mean to tell me you're hard enough to continue to disobey God? Come on now. Let's be real here. It's, it's no match. If the devil's no match for him, certainly one of his children isn't. Amen. <clears throat> I tell people, I say, you know, deception is very powerful. Uh, people will say things like, well, uh, you know, I can't quit and I can't do this and I can't do that. And I said, you number one, you need to read your Bible and change your believing. You can do everything that God expects you to do. Well, it's hard. No, it's just hard because you say it's hard. You're expecting it to be hard. You make it hard on yourself. God has made it easy for us. If the greater one lives in you, let him live. Don't keep him bottled up and and, uh, in a corner somewhere and you sitting up here talking about how tough it is, how hot it is. It ain't as easy as you say it is. Maybe for you not, you know. Don't, Don't lie to God, amen. Don't lie around him. Don't make him out to be the the liar. Let yourself be a liar and and just go ahead and do what God expects you to do. You may not want to do it because you don't think it's necessary. You know how the devil will play down God obedience obedience to God in our lives. He'll make it sound well. You don't have to do all that. Well, you don't have to. Well, you don't have to. (laughs) Yes, I do. I got to do everything I'm doing and then some. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) What's up with that? You should seek to excel in God. If you're not going to excel in God, who are you going to excel in? Are you just going to be a mediocre kind of person all your life? You can be an excellent person in everything that God has for you. If you will just excel in the things of God. Just seek to be obedient to him. Make the devil out to be a liar. See, devil, you said I was going to not get here today. You said I was going to have a hard time. You said I won't go feel good. But I made you out to be a liar. Amen. I'm here. I'm blessing God. I'm worshiping him. And I'm glad to be here. You know, make him a liar by your behavior. Make him a liar by your confession. Make him a liar by your obedience. Amen. And just go ahead and bless God and be obedient to God. Do everything he tells you to do. Amen. Praise God. So we have an everlasting covenant of peace. It's available to you, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren forevermore. Just think about it. Everything that you have, you can will to your descendants by thanking God for saving him. Father, I thank you for this covenant of peace that goes on for many generations in my household. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Set them up for success and not failure. 
set them up for a blessing. If they never get the money to go to college and if they're not quote unquote college material or college interested, they can be successful in life. Amen. They can be successful and prosperous in everything they set their hands to. Some of the most prosperous people in the universe today are college dropouts or college never went. Amen. Bill Gates dropped out of, well, he dropped almost out of high school in order to, to start a computer company. Amen. Uh, Apple, the, what's his name, the one that passed away? Both of them, the ones that started Apple, Jobs and Wozniak. Wozniak's still alive, but they cashed out of that business so many millions and billions of years, <laughs> billions of dollars ago because they'd taken it as far as they wanted to. They said, I'm going to have an easy life the rest of my life. Amen. Relaxing. Never finished college. Didn't even go. Didn't bother to go. Why? They were all already successful in what they wanted to do because they had a vision they had a plan they had an understanding of where they were going and that's what you will to your seed and your seed seed they have a vision for God they have a plan from God and they know where they're going and so that's that's the key to life really is to have a successful vision a successful plan and confidence that you're going to get there and so uh, nobody can do that for anybody except God. Amen. Except God. Amen. <clears throat> so God has made an everlasting covenant of peace. We talked about how peace has so many meanings that have to do with our welfare, not just our our barely get by welfare you know sometimes that's the concept we have in our minds and we don't like it because it's limited and if God lives in you you're unlimited and somehow you know it you know there's a knowing inside most people that comes from God that says there are no limits on what you can do there are no limits to the success you can have. There's no limit to what you can do and prosper. There's no limit to what what I can do through you and what I can make you into. You just have to let me do the making. And many times we think we want to be the one to call the shots and give the ideas and all that. But if you'll release it to God and let him help you and let him guide and direct you, uh, you'll be fine. But sometimes we look at, well, I think I should be going this direction, but God wants me to go over here. Uh, I think I'll just wait until I can get a clearance to go this way. You know, we just want to do it our way because we got something stuck in our heads that won't leave. Well, God wants that thing to leave so that you can get his peace about what he has for you. Amen. If we'll believe God, he'll give you. You won't believe that God is shortchanging you when you have to do things a certain way and you can't do them this way. You'll have confidence that once he gives you his peace about something, you have confidence, God, this really is the way that you want me to go. And this is the way that I am going to go. Even though it goes against everything within me that says, uh, you know, uh, this isn't right. You understand what I'm doing? There'll be some saying, there'll be some situations you'll get into as you'll think, well, God, this is a really strange way to get here. Like you, you know, you know, to get to, to Southfield, you gotta go west. And God says, go east. 
And well, God, this is a really strange way. You know, sometimes we kick and scream the whole way, but just do it anyway and see where God leads you. Amen. And you find out somehow there was an earthquake on that stretch of the highway and you would have been right in the midst of it. You know, that kind of thing. Sometimes it's not that obvious, but once you start having God's peace, you need to follow that peace. Do whatever you can to keep the peace of God in your life. Don't let the devil make you disturbed. He loves disturbed people. Amen. He loves disgruntled people. Because if he can shake that peace that you have in God, then like the Bible says, you know, all of your children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the great peace. Great peace. So, you know, if, if you, you see your kids getting disgruntled, you see them trying to go the wrong way or they quit going to church or they quit this way. Great is the peace of my children, Lord. Visit them today with your peace and don't let that peace leave. You'll find out months later they've been reading the Bible and doing this, but they're not, they definitely not gonna tell you they in the word. But somehow God will let you find out that your prayer was answered. You know, you don't have to see evidence. See, that's why faith, that's why we need faith in God's word. Because you won't see evidence of it all the time. And the devil will pick at you coming and going. And them kids of yours, you know, who knows what they do. Like he did Job about his kids. Pick that Job something fierce. Job started making offerings and sacrifices for the kids. You know, I mean, the kids grown. They should be making their own, you know. We live in a a covenant of of intercession and, and mercy, great mercy. You know, you can always pray for yours. Job was doing the best he can, but disaster still fell. On everything. Amen. And so, you know, but see, God even restored that. I mean, it's it's sad that he had to lose everything, but God did restore it. Amen. Amen. So God does what he can do. He can't bring the dead back necessarily, but he certainly can restore life. And so he was able to restore life, health, wealth, everything to Job, just like he had before. So it's it's a good thing that God <clears throat> restores. And he will make you to forget tragedy. He'll make you to forget. If he weren't able to do that, you know, it, it would be sad that you go through life with blessings but regretting what you lost. But God can make it so that you forget those things. He did that with Joseph. Amen. Amen. He called that one son Manasseh, which means God has made me to forget. Amen. So we all need a little Manasseh birthed in our life so that we can know God is the God of remembering and forgetting. He can make you forget those tragic things. I'm just thankful, you know, that that God is doing more in the realm of of helping people and and bringing people to himself and bringing them to his peace and uh, causing them to forget the past and and put it where and start a new life, you know, start a new life all over again. It's wonderful what he's doing. I was uh, saw a a, um, a little clip on YouTube where um, there's a uh, I forget the name of this little group. 
but I, I reposted it on Facebook. Uh, these people were delivered from homosexuality and they formed, uh, they formed, and all of them are born again. You know, they're not trying to just do this on their own, but they found their deliverance in Christ. And there was a woman, she was, uh, and they all had on t-shirts with the same name. What did it say? It didn't say delivered. I think it said restored or something like that. But it's there, they've got their own, you know, ministry and, and they minister to others. They say, you don't have to accept this life. You can make the choice to live a different life and so their their arms are open to people who want to depart from that particular sin and they probably get other people in there too because the gospel's the gospel it'll deliver everybody but the the testimonies were so uh glorious you know to their and this one woman uh made big posters of her husband or two children. She said, This is what the devil tried to cheat me out of, you know, and she was just moved to tears when and she just they just give their testimony. And, and it's and it's not you're gonna go to hell if you stay like that, which everybody knows that. You understand what I'm saying? Uh but that's not an invitation. You know what I'm saying. That's kind of a dare. And so they they offer it in this way, you don't have to stay that way. If you want to change, God will change you without fail. It was just beautiful the way they they are glorifying God and the way they are doing that. Because there are laws being passed right now in different states that make it illegal for ministers to encourage people to live, leave homosexuality. See what I'm saying? But God, God doesn't go along with that. He wants, He says, go preach the gospel to every creature. Give them that invitation into my love. And, and I will love them through you. And when you get tired of loving them, I'll love them beyond what you can do. You understand what I'm saying? So we all have limitations. God knows that you don't want to be a limited person, but you can do the best that you can do. But always understand that the power of love is the greatest power <clears throat> in the universe. That's why the devil tries so hard to keep us out of love about when, in things. Because of the power that's there. You know, love will restore uh, uh, broken relationships. It'll restore broken marriages. It'll restore. It'll restore everything. If God can get somebody to start the ball rolling through forgiveness, this is the main key. Because you're going to have offenses. You're going to offend people. You try. You can't go a whole day without offending something or somebody. Because iniquity lives in us. Selfishness, li- ignorance lives in us. You can say some things trying to uh, be humorous and lighthearted and funny and wind up offending half the people you say it to. You know, just not trying. And so offense is so common, we need to make forgiveness just as common. Amen? Because it is common. Yeah. So forgiveness isn't there for us to feel like we're in charge of something or we're kings and queens and we make judgments again. I'll forgive them, but I won't forgive them. They're too just too rotten for me to do that and so forth. And so they've gone too far. Well, you're not God. You didn't make that law. And you can't keep it yourself. Amen. So let's lay off that heavy handed stuff and just learn how to be obedient to God. You'll find you feel better when you're a forgiving person. 
You do. You feel more life in you. You feel more peace. You feel more lighthearted. The more fruit of the Spirit come up in your heart. Amen. When you, when you're a forgiving and a loving person and when you're a peace loving person. Amen. You, you just feel that way. So, uh, Ephesians 2.14. I see the devil then hid my Ephesians from me. I think I got a bead on it. Amen. Oh, boy. I'll start like in 12, I think. That at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. He's talking to the Ephesians. These were Greek Basically Greek people and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, now in Christ Jesus, now in Christ Jesus, you're not an alien. You're not a foreigner from God's covenant. So he's showing these people who were not Hebrews and were not Jews. That you used to be distant from that, but you're not anymore. You're brought near because of the blood of the cross. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Because the blood of Christ pays for our sins and iniquities, we can come close to God. That's why I tell people, the Christians who are, are in the earth now, if you feel distant from God, it's because the blood is not applied. Amen. Got me? You, you're, you're saying you forgive, but you don't really. You're mouthing the words, but you don't feel it in your heart. You've got to go to God and ask him to help you to learn how to apply the blood with a certainty. See, there are some ways that, that the, the word of God can be made real to us. And there are some times where we just skim through it and assume we got it without really having it. Without feeling that peace settle in on us again, without getting the verification from the Holy Spirit that what we have done, He has honored. And, and, and then when we start living like that, your whole life is a skip and a miss. You know, you, you can go days in a bad mood and, you know, not feeling, uh, it, not not necessarily the presence of God, but the nearness to God, the peace of God. That that thing that settles in on you that tells you everything's okay. It's all is right and all is well with you. And we're not to live like that. We're not to live like aliens and foreigners from the covenant of God. 
We're to live close to him. We're to draw nigh to him. That's the place that he has ordained for us to live is close to him. Amen. He has not ordained for you to be born again and to live by your own wits, to live by your own. And then he's got to catch up with you somehow in the midst of you running. You run, run into a brick wall and you realize how far you've been. Got me? It, that's not what he wants. He wants to to dwell in us and take over our lives because he's got a plan for us. He's got a great plan. And he wants us to move beyond just having him having him live in us somewhere to being his friend and fellowship and spend time and draw near and have things in common and have things that you share with him. Uh, find out what he has planned for you for real and, and share in that plan. That's the kind of peace he's talking about. That's what makes us complete and whole is that fellowship, that communion. See, that's real communion. The bread and the wine are just symbols of what he did for us at the cross. But if that's communion, then that's just the first step in communing with God. See, remembering the cross through through the bread and the wine are just symbolic of asking forgiveness. And going before God and say, your body was broken for me, your blood was shed for me, I thank you for that and I do this in remembrance and I thank you that now I'm complete and whole and I can sit down and fellowship with you and discuss my life, find out what you have for me, find out all the things that you want to do with me, find out how to serve you more, to to please you more. That's communion. That's fellowship. That's what he died to have. And so many people run in, run out, run in, run out, don't have time. (laughs) Or don't check in. Or check in when something's really wrong and you gotta check in. You know, can't go any further. And so, and then we get back right again and promise ourselves we're not gonna get like this again. You know? But he has better things in mind for us. When he says that you are made nigh by the blood of Christ, that's the biggest thing God can give us. That you can be close to God because of the blood of Jesus. Not because of your good behavior, not because you haven't messed up in three days, not because you haven't done this, but by his blood that's shed once and for all times. Just think about it. He spared us all of the, all of the bad things you see happening to people in the world. We have been spared that because of the shed blood of Jesus. Powerful action on his part. Powerful sacrificial action on his part made it possible for us to draw near to God just by acknowledging what he did. Father, I thank you. That your son went to the cross for me. And I want to live for you. I don't want to treat that as a light thing. I don't want to treat that as something I'm entitled to. Or it was small for him to do it. Or he's going to do it anyway. Or whatever little trite thing people like to say. 
But just be thankful, every day thankful. That's why it talks about thanksgiving being the key to blessings. What are we thanking him for? Just for being God. Just because he deserves thanks. He doesn't have to do one thing for you for you to thank him. Thank him because he's in a position to do it. We give more honor sometimes to people that we think can do something for us. You know, if they're prominent or they've got some money or they've got a big ministry or they're on television or something, we want to talk about them like they're wonderful people. And taking the honor away from God. Amen. So he is our peace. Amen. Verse 14, who is, who is made both one. So we're all one in God's eyes and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So those things that kept, that keep denominations apart, the things that keep, uh, Jews and, and Christians or keep Muslims and Christians on different sides, God's broken that down. If we'll come through the blood, everybody who comes through the blood is one. Amen. We're one family before God. He says he's abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of two one new man so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. Having slain the enmity. So anything that kept you apart from a loved one is nailed to the cross. Anything that keeps you from getting along with family members, with a spouse, with a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a niece, a nephew, brother, sister. That's been nailed to the cross already. All that enmity, all that strife and confusion and opposite sides and opposite attitudes and opposite beliefs has been nailed to the cross. There is nothing that should keep us from being one with one another and with God. Amen. We're one people in Christ. One people in Christ. You know, I I used to uh, question everybody. You know, you see these people out in public talking about Jesus and talking about this and that. And I said, oh my, look at that. And I thought to myself one day, I said, you know what, Lord, them people say they love you. Who am I to dispute? That's between you and them. My judgment means absolutely nothing. In fact, what it means is I'm displeasing you by judging my brother. I don't know what's in his heart. I don't know what he said to you. I don't know what kind of confession he made to you. Many times we see, like for instance, you'll see actors who are acting movies and and call themselves Christians. And we want to judge, uh, I don't know what, how God thinks about that. I ain't an actor. You know, I don't even, I'm trying to, I'm trying to act out my own salvation. <laughs> Amen. With fear and trembling. So, so when you start to honor peace above all things, you'll get that kind of judgment and strife out of your heart. You can live without that. I can live without looking at people in Hollywood and trying to condemn them or question their uh their commitment to Christ or telling you well you gotta quit acting if you gonna be a Christian. I don't know that. I don't know that. 
I haven't asked God what he thought about it. And probably he'll tell me ain't none of your business. It's none of ya. Uh-huh. It's none of ya. Like my mother used to say, none of your business. Yeah, and so you, you just have to understand that you, how, how to stay, keep you, be concerned about keeping your peace with God instead of time, trying to take somebody else's away from them. Amen. And learn how to do the things God wants you to do. Some of those people who have been what I call cl- kind of closet Christians or Christians that that are still in that profession and so forth, you see little by little they begin to speak up. And they be, begin to declare Christ and begin to encourage people. Well, this is their hour. Amen? It wasn't their hour before. So maybe this is their hour that God has preserved for them to have the platform from which they could speak for him. You understand me? And so we we have to learn how to keep peace in the family. Amen. <laughs> keep peace among the family members because God does not want us to abandon his covenant of peace. We're to keep that. Amen. So he's done all of this to abolish all of the middle walls, all of the uh, animosity, all of the rejection, all of the everything that keeps us apart from, from one another. Amen. So he says, uh, <clears throat> verse 17, and came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to them that are near. So the people who had a covenant, old covenant, they got preached to and so did the ones who were distant got preached to. Everybody's got to be preached to. Amen. For through him we both have access by one spirit into the Father. So there's not two Holy Spirits for two different groups of people. There's one spirit. Now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom all the building fitly framed together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So we are a habitation for God. I'm God's house. Amen. I'm God's tabernacle. I'm God's dwelling place. He lives in me. I want him to live through me. I want him to live in every room of the house. Amen. And so if we can allow God to just come in and spread his peace through every fiber of our being. Peace in your mind. Peace in your heart. Peace in your body. Wholeness. Soundness. uh, uh, Blessing. My heart is blessed. My nerves are blessed. My brain is blessed. My eyes are blessed. My feet are blessed. My body is blessed. Everything about me is blessed in God. Amen? Because he is my peace. I have his, he, I have him. Peace is not a feeling. It's not just a a little part of something, but it is him. He is peace. Because everything he does in you makes you whole, makes you sound, makes you intact, complete. You don't need anything. There's nothing missing from you. You're not lacking in anything. You're not waiting on anything. Amen. God's waiting on you to believe. you got to believe in what you got already before you get any more. Amen. Just believe in what you got. 
Yeah. And go after expressing what you already have. I thank you, Father, that I have health in every member, every fiber of my being. I thank you, Lord, my youth is renewed. I am not weak. I am strong. I am strong in you and in the power of your might. Your might is everlasting. There's no stopping to your might. There's no limit to your might. There's no limit to what I can do through you. Amen. So, so we have to begin to let God minister that to us through our own thoughts and our own words. Wake up every morning. If you don't say anything, just begin to meditate on your, your health, your wholeness. I thank you, Lord. I'm healed in every member of my body. I thank you for restoration of everything. Restore my strength. Restore my youth. Take the stiffness out. Thanks. Thank you, Lord, for flexibility and, and all of those things. All those things that you know you need, begin to thank him for them because you're complete in him. You have the ability to generate health and healing and wealth and prosperity and, you know, growing your eyebrows back, growing your hair back, whatever you need to grow back, you can grow back, make your limbs nimble. Amen. You can start. Amen. God gave Samson his hair back and Samson disobeyed him. Hey, well, if you obedient, you ought to have hair if you want it. Amen. Start declaring your hair. Praise God. I'm serious about this. Amen. Whatever you want, you begin to declare it. Amen. I was reading that, you know, in in restoration especially, you know, anybody that's lost anything, you're in line for restoration. I was thinking about this. I was reading a, a testimony of a woman who had been sick I'm not sure if it was cancer she had chemotherapy or I don't know what to, what was wrong with her it might have been chemo and they do tell you after that you discontinue the treatment your hair grows back you know the follicles are suppressed because of the medication and all that kind of stuff get off of it comes back but she she said that one day she prayed and asked God for her she said and god just make my hair glorious make it as beautiful and she said after that it began to grow back and it grew back and she said it was just a beautiful color it was like full wavy and full of body and everything and she said everywhere she went people just stared at her hair and she would ask them she said are you staring at my hair and if they she said oh yes Please do. She said, the Lord gloriously restored that to me. She said, I asked him to restore it, make it glorious, and he has answered my prayer. So it was a testimony everywhere she went. She said, it, I just asked him to restore it, and he did it gloriously. And so that that became her witness. That became her sign of the goodness of God. She took it everywhere that she went. And so it, it's just miraculous what God will do. Amen? But he did it because she asked. And when she asked she and saw what, what he did, had done, she couldn't wait to tell people about it. So he made the door open for her to tell people. The wonderful things that God had done. Amen. So we have peace through Jesus Christ. Amen. So Luke 2. (laughs) 
in verse 14. It says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This was the announcement of the coming of the Lord who is our peace. So they announced that, what did we say was meant by the word shalom or the word peace? Glory to God and completeness, soundness, wholeness, welfare, nothing missing, soundness in body, safety, welfare, health, prosperity, quiet, tranquility, contentment, friendship, good human relationships, friendships with God in covenant, um, to, to be merry, to be finished, to be safe and unharmed. All of that they blessed the earth with. With the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the full blessing folks. That's the fullness of everything. That's your completeness. Because what what is wrong with us. Is not so much that we don't have stuff. It's our reaction to it. And God says your reaction can be peace. You can react as though you have everything already. And you don't have nothing nowhere. You know what I'm saying? But you can live and you can respond as though it's so before it's so. If you put your faith in God. If you'll just trust what he says. Trust his word. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. The devil has it hidden. Sometimes he has love hidden under anger. He has love hidden under wrath. He has love hidden under bitterness. He has love hidden you know, you just try it. I, you know, I see it many times because of of ministry. You know, when when you work at the altar, or sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, people, I'll pray with somebody over the phone. You know, somebody will call me and, well, I just need some prayer. And you know, these are people y'all don't even know. You know what I'm saying? Is they just know to call and. Uh, you know, and I'll hear sniffling on the other end of the line, you know. And I said, well, you know, you're gonna forgive these. And it seldom doesn't work. There's some people really hard. They'll argue with you. Well, I don't see why I have to do it. And I said, well, we can't go any further in this conversation. Now you call me and, you know, these are God's rules I'm giving you. So it's no, won't do me any good to pray with you for anything. You're not in agreement with what God wants. And seldom do I have to do that. But underneath most anger and most whatever the complaint is, there's when God starts to break that hardness by the Holy Ghost, you'll find that there's a heart of love underneath there that's just grunched up and and balled up because the mind and the flesh have taken control over that person. And they're not willing to on their own let go of that. But in in submitting themselves to prayer and submitting themselves to the authority of God, brokenness will often come. You know, where people's hearts will be uh touched and they'll they'll come out of that, you know. Uh when 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 the glory of God comes in, like we're praying for the glory of God to come into the earth, there's always a strong spirit of repentance with his glory, where people are broken, you know, people who uh, seem the most spiritual will weep. You know, everybody weeps in the presence of God in his glory because he wants to bless every weeping is always brokenness is always blessing because he's opening up your heart for more of him. 
Amen. You, you know, I see people come up to the altar and just want to stand there stiff and don't want to fall. I'm saying, you know, I don't care if you fall or not, but I know one thing, whatever makes you feel better. If you feel good standing up there, help yourself. But if you feel better dropping and then getting up and seeing how you feel, go for it. You got me? It's just ignorance many times. And people, you know, you can answer an altar call and while you're standing there waiting to be prayed for, the devil will tell you, don't, don't, hey, you don't fall. Oh, don't do this and don't do that. He start, he'll start coaching you after you've let your faith bring you to the presence of God. Huh? He'll tell you anything. Or some old religious thought that you thought you were delivered from will come up in your own head. Something that some old religious devil you've been entangled with in the past will start talking to you. You know? They're always, the enemy's always, they're dormant somewhere waiting to pounce. See if he can get a word, see if he can influence you. Devils don't like to give up. Amen. So God offers peace to all men through Jesus Christ. Everybody's got an invitation to come to Christ. Amen. You gotta come through repentance. So, amen. Gotta be willing to get, leave that old life behind. Amen. Don't be like Lot's wife. Amen. The lesbian, remember her? That's why. Colossians one twenty. You can't look back at sin after he's delivered you from it. Don't have that longing in your heart for things, the old life, you know, when you have so many restrictions and you have so many people telling you what to do. <laughs> And having made peace through the blood of his cross. So he he made peace. Peace was made for us folks. It's not just something that pops up as a word in the Bible. But he prepared peace for us through the blood of his cross. Amen. By him to reconcile all things to himself. So Jesus paid the price to get back all of creation under his authority, under his management. So he reconciled. We had to be paid for. The earth had to be paid for. Everything that was broken and condemned because of our disobedience had to be paid for. Ransom had to be paid for that. That's why, you know, these people who are talking about global warming, I mean, it's always some doomsday philosophy. They they had them when I was a kid. And my parents told me that, oh, that, that, that world's not going to come to an end. People have been saying that forever, you know. And so we would get reassured. Now all of a sudden we got a movement where people think if we don't do something about whatever it is they want done, that we're not going to be here. I said, well, if we're not going to be here, then let's get to preaching the gospel like never before. Because we have to take as many people with us as we can. You understand what I'm saying? If you really believe that. And there are Christians who believe that. You know, you got me. Uh, they're doomsday philosopher people. Amen. But even if there were a way to do it, if they don't get it from God, it's not going to work. So all of their remedies, you know, 
carbon footprint and all this kind of nonsense stuff and don't have any more than two children and now that that's kind of like accepted by general society uh, they're they're aborting more babies now they're looking around there's nobody here to grow up and manage the earth and all that kind of stuff so they got to import people everywhere it's it's nonsense total nonsense problem is they don't make peace with God they don't seek uh, peace through Jesus Christ so God can give them real answers I remember there was a uh, comedian that used to put this that in his comic George Carlin anybody remember him if you look at some of his old videos man he's he like rebuking God's people he rebuking like he said how can you be so arrogant to think that you have the answers to these great things you know I mean it's like whoa (laughs) you know God will put words he'll put words in anybody's mouth to speak truth to people are you kidding me if you can reach them you can preach them amen because he he gives truth period amen so and you don't know sometimes people have been in touch with god and just live in their own life or or they might be living for god as best they know how you never know so um so okay romans 5 the gospel is the gospel of peace amen we don't say that much anymore but that is what we preach. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand. So faith, if you believe God's word, he'll give you the grace to perform it. Don't ever think you can't do something that God's telling you to do. You gotta believe first. If you try to get up and do something for God and you don't believe you can do it, you might as well sit down. Cause the grace to do it or perform it will never be there. You got me? If you struggle with, with things that God commands you to do or, or things that, you know, like things in ministry. I remember when we first started the ministry, we started out little boombox things and little this and little that and, and you know, I mean it was adequate for what we were doing. You know what I'm saying. And then I noticed little by little, uh, like Tony when he was in charge, he started understanding more about sound and he would say, well why don't we do this or why don't we get that and, and it always made an improvement in things or if, if we saw other people doing things and he said, mm, no, we don't need to spend the money on that. We can go this route and it'll be fine and just watch we'll see but see that takes grace to do that but it doesn't come just out of nowhere you got to believe in your heart that God gave you that to do and that he's there to help you to do it and so if we'll learn how to accept you know our responsibility and accept the job God gives us to do and believe, just believe that he's given that for us to do. And we're not there on our own winging it and trying the best we can and struggling and all this. Uh-uh. Nope, 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 nope. That's the wrong way to go about it. 
God, you gave me this to do, and I'm asking you, give me the grace to learn how to solve problems, to 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 uh, figure things out in you, to understand that nothing's above my head to do. Amen. Help me to to learn how to accept correction, to be blessed by it, so I can do a better job. You know, all that kind of stuff. See, it takes faith to believe that God puts you in a place where you are, and that He will help you, and you will be successful every single time. Amen. Every single time, He'll cause success to come into your your midst. Ephesians two fourteen and fifteen. I don't know if I read that already. Did I read that already? Yeah, I did. Ephesians two fourteen. Okay, Romans fifteen. While well, we're in Romans fifteen and thirty-three. Oh, now the God of peace be with you all. That's a salutation of Paul. He kind of ends many, many of his uh, letters to the different churches that way. So uh, we serve the God of peace. He's not the God of strife, confusion, you know, lawlessness, anything like that. That's the one that we serve. Amen. Let me see. Romans 16. Let's see what verse 20 says. Yeah. <clears throat> Where the, where the apostle tells the church at Rome <clears throat> in 20 verse 18, he's ending his letter here. He says, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, who by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. That's kind of a good admonition for everybody because uh, preaching is so available now, you know, through um Print through uh, um, sound and and radio, television, all kinds of media. You can you can get preachers, but it says here they deceive people by fair speeches and good words. Fair speeches and good words. So you know you got your feel good ministers out here. And they kind of overlap with the um, self-help gurus and the motivational speakers. And, you know, I'm always leery of of ministers who will list themselves as motivational speakers. Because you really don't need a motivational speaker. You need the power, demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost. You need somebody who can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. If you never hear them utter a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or give an altar call to help people, just turn it off. Okay, well, y'all, listen to both things. Listen out of both ears if you want to. Yeah, turn that stuff off. That's not going to feed your spirit. It's not going to do anything. You know, it'll puff up your soul, make your emotions feel better. You're you're born again. You know that puffing up your soul and make it that's for people who are not saved. Cuz I remember when I was was uh, was not saved and I went to a church and and I would feel better if it was they would say uplifting, not truth. You know, cuz if truth came then I felt bad because I felt guilty. 
And, and if they do that and give no altar call, you just leave their feeling bad. You understand what I'm saying? And so now that you've found Christ, learn how to get things that feed your spirit, not just want to uplift you emotionally. Because that can make you run around thinking that you can expect God to do anything any minute, and you're so far from him, it's kind of pathetic, you know. So find out how to disconnect yourself from that craving of something to make you feel better. Amen. Something to uplift you. And, uh, you know, you need deliverance. Sometimes we need deliverance from messages <laughs> and preachers. Because, you know, sometimes you have itching ears. You want to hear what you want to hear. Now, that that's all over the New Testament. And they, the, the apostles warn us about itching ears. Wanting to hear what you want to hear. Something to tantalize your flesh. Make you feel better about yourself. You need to feel good about yourself all the time. But that's up to you to go to the tabernacle that's within you. That's where you need to dwell. Get into that tabernacle and have communion with God. Start thanking him and blessing him, lifting up his holy name, praising him because he's worthy to be praised. And leave your itching ears not to itch anymore. Amen. So shut that stuff down and get something. See, what we don't like sometimes is to be challenged. That's all it is. It's a challenge. And God will help you meet every challenge. You're not overwhelmed by getting your healing through the word. You're not overwhelmed by being able to come out of poverty by the word. You're not overwhelmed. He's just challenging you to come out of that way and go this way with me. And I guarantee you, if you continue to walk with me, you'll be able to get the things that your heart longs for. But you gotta walk with God. You can't get it any other way. Now you can waste your time listening to feel good messages, but I'm telling you it's a waste of time. You don't need to feel good. You need to accept the challenge. Amen. We do. God has thrown the gauntlet down. Boom. Who will accept my challenge to walk with me and be as king and princes and and queens and princesses in the earth? Who will accept my challenge? So you go pick up the gauntlet every morning and run with him. God, I accept your challenge. Because I know as long as I run with you, the devil won't defeat me. The devil won't kill me. The devil won't make me sick. The devil won't take my money and take my property and take my kids and take my grand. He won't take as long as I accept the challenge to run with you. Not asking you to do anything hard. Asking you to do what's right. What's sensible. What's reasonable. Man. Quit playing around with this. Accept the challenge. Because he's, he's the light burden and the easy yoke. The devil will give you a hard time every time. It might seem easy at first, but you know, you get into it, it's hard. <laughs> the devil's way is a hard way. Philippians 4, 7. This peace that God gives us is a very unique kind of peace. Amen? Is very unique, very unique. It's not like the world gives us. Bless you. 
He says in verse 6, be careful or anxious, nervous, worried, fearful, concerned for nothing. You know, people say, sometimes you say, well, don't be, don't be nervous, don't worry. I'm just concerned. Same thing. Don't pretty it up with another word. God says don't do that for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. The thanksgiving part is what people sometimes have a problem with. They don't mind praying and begging and snorting and snotting and crying. But thanking, being thankful is something hard for some people. Hmm? You have to keep a, a, in order to be thankful, you have to keep a, a smiling countenance, you know, a, a grateful countenance. It shows on your face. It allows people to know all is well with you. Sometimes when people ask you how you are, it's because you look funny. You look like something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Let, let your Thanksgiving be known to everybody. Let it show on your countenance. Amen? That Thanksgiving will change how you look. It really will. It'll change you from somebody who looks worried, concerned, nervous, and upset, and barely getting by, to somebody that, you know, you look at, people look at you and say, well, her life must be really good. You know, I mean, they, that person never, never seems to have a care, never seems to worry. And, and you know, they're human. They have issues and trials just like everybody else. But it's all taken care of by God's peace. Amen. He says, if you'll do that, just make your request known to God. Be thankful. Thankful for what? That you have a God you can go to. Amen. You got a Father in Heaven who's all powerful. Huh? And be thankful that the answer is yes when you stand there in righteousness. Amen. And not in worry and not in fear and not in doubting and not in Mad at everybody because it ain't your fault again. And if you'll do that, he'll give you what? Give you a handshake. Peace is God's spiritual handshake. Amen. It's his high five or his low five to your high five. Amen. Just say, just say, bring it low, God. Bring it low. Huh? He heard you. And that's him saying, I heard you and you have it. Not I heard you and I'm going to go think about whether it's yours or not. I I heard you and you have it. When a king offered the scepter to somebody who was asking, that automatically meant they had it. Why? Because the king had all power. He could do anything you wouldn't ask him to do. Queen Esther said, if he doesn't offer the scepter out to me, I could be killed. Uh, the other thing is kings don't la- like to waste their time, neither. You come up there and start asking them something that you can just go take care of with your neighbor, you might <laughs> be on the afternoon gallows. You know what I'm saying? They, put you, they give you an appointment someplace else. Huh? It's not that way with God. But kings had a way of letting you know, don't waste my time. Ah, that's how you honor the king. 
When we honor the king, we come by way of the blood. You don't go up in God's face without asking forgiveness first. You look at people throughout the ages and how they approach royalty. They went very humbly and very respectful. Because if they weren't in a good mood that day, you might be the recipient and didn't do nothing wrong. Because they had that power. We got to understand God still has our power, folks. Don't ever take your relationship with him for granted. And it says here, if you do that, if you find yourself careful, go to God in prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. Ask him for what you need. He says, and the peace of God. This one passes all understanding. In other words, you don't know how he's going to do it. You don't know when he's going to do it. You don't know how much it's going to cost. You don't know when, you, you don't know anything. So it passes your understanding that you should just not be worried anymore. Cause you don't have it in the natural. You don't have an appointment for it to come, but he's reassured you by his peace. That passes all understanding. It cannot be moved out of your life. Now you can try and pick up worry again if you want to being crazy. But after a while the peace will settle in again. So that peace actually it's a peace is a spiritual it's a spirit. It's part of the Holy Ghost. It's a fruit of the spirit of the Holy Ghost. So it's alive. So that peace will wrestle your worry back into its place and let you have peace again. So peace will fight for you as a covenant keeping spirit. It keeps covenant with God for you on your behalf. But we got to quit disturbing our own peace. Don't let your mouth start uttering crazy stuff again. Don't let your mind start trying to figure out how to fix it again. Just let that peace be maintained in your heart. Your mind might go crazy, but your heart is telling you, Mm-mm, no, that's not for me now. God's already told me. I've received his peace about this thing. He says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and see in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You want the God of peace with you all the time because he'll keep everything right. He won't stop until he makes everything right in our lives. Amen. So he will be with you and you can draw on him from the source of all peace. Amen. You can draw from that anytime you want to. Amen. The other thing God wants us to do is spread his peace in Matthew 5. And once the peace of God resides with you, don't go around being a troublemaker. You got me? <laughs> Just be a peaceful person. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Oh, wonder why. Because you got your peace from him. See, you have enough to spread around now. Because you have an unlimited source of peace. And that is God. So you can be a peacemaker. In other words, this is what, what I, I think peace, making peace means. It means keeping the word of God in your heart so you don't sin against Him. It means preaching the gospel of peace to people 
you know, don't go around upsetting people, telling them, you know, God's after them, God's going to get them, God's going to do this, God's going to do that. You understand what I'm saying? That's not peaceful. You know, uh, the biggest peaceful thing you can do is offer to pray for somebody. I think that's like the greatest uh, gift that we have. And you'll find that very few people will tell you they don't want prayer. Very few people will will say, you know, unless they see you don't know what you're doing. And and I don't believe that about anybody in here. But, you know, there's some people, some people just newly saved or something. They want to pray for everything and everybody and aren't really sent by God to do those things. But when you know God and you know, you know, he has put in compassion in your heart for people, then, uh, you know, uh, that's the biggest thing that you can do to make peace. You know, and if you if you're not sure about people, you know, and and where they stand with God, you you'll go to them and say, well, let me pray uh, for you. And and we're going to go to God first and ask him to forgive our sins, me and you. And if they say, amen, okay, yeah, okay, And then, you know, just begin to do that and begin to teach people the holiness of God. Not just run to God with your list of stuff and, and don't care how how you approach him, but always approach him the right way, especially if, if you're with people that you assume don't know prayer or don't don't really aren't really close to God, you can teach them the right way to do things. Amen? And teach them and and, and for that period of time, um and this is something I picked up from Henry Groover. That he told, God told him that he, if he will forgive people by remitting their sins, pushing their sin off of them, God said, I can bring in a spirit of conviction through that repentance for a season to allow them to respond to your invitation to serve me. And so he got gang members saved like that. He got all kind of people saved that way through the remission of sins. But he had to forgive them. Got me? So then that's, it puts the responsibility back on us as believers to forgive those people. When you approach people, say, Father, I forgive them for blaspheming. I forgive them for being drug addicts in the life that they live. Because you can't really adequately pray for people that you have something against yourself. So you go to them first and then you ask God to forgive them. In fact, in front of our prayer manual, we still have that. I never take stuff out of that. I say if people, you are praying for people in known sin, you ask God to forgive them. You don't go to God assuming that they can get help from him and you know they're in sin. you got to acknowledge the blood. That's what acknowledging the blood really means and pleading the blood really means is to go there in repentance and then you know then that God hears you. Amen. All right, we can stop. Father in heaven, we thank you for allowing us access. Access is everything. Father, there's no door in heaven locked to us. There's no place in heaven that's in our in your heart that's locked to us. Nothing is locked out from us, Father, because we believe you. So we thank you, Lord, and we honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God, amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up for prayer, 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 prayer.